that was a hypocritical youth pastor that would go and do all these things, um, quote unquote, in the name of Jesus, and then go home and just be an absolute wretch. All of a sudden, all of a sudden when I'm hearing these words, it's like if I got a heart transplant. It's like if the veil was lifted from my eyes. I'm Paul Hastings, and you're listening to Compelled, a weekly podcast with unique stories from the kingdom of God told by the people compelled to live for him. This is episode 28 of our podcast, which means that after today, we only have two more episodes left in season two, which is hard to believe I knew it. Last week, we heard from Brian Birdwell, who shared about his horrific experience at the Pentagon during 9-11 and surviving the plane crash while being severely burned all across his body. But most importantly, about his journey of faith and his uttermost dependence of God for every breath. You can hear that story and more at compelledpodcast.com. Today, our guest is Jonathan Pacheco, a young man who was severely disabled at birth when his spinal cord was nearly severed and has lived his entire life in a motorized wheelchair. Jonathan's journey of faith includes coming to grips with God's sovereignty in all things, even in his disability and more. Today is part one of Jonathan's story, which will conclude next week with part two. That story coming up right after word from today's sponsor. This episode of Compelled is brought to you by Patriot Academy. Patriot Academy raises up leaders with a biblical worldview that boldly champion the cause of freedom and truth through government. Patriot Academy holds intense week-long trainings at state capitals around the nation, and attendees learn about the legislative process by participating in a mock legislature, filing and debating bills and policies, and all the while, they learn fundamental principles and truths. I actually attended Patriot Academy a few years ago in Texas, and it was an incredible experience. I got to sit at the same desk and debate on the same floor as actual Texas legislators. I made close friends and learned important character traits. But most importantly, I saw firsthand the desperate need we have as Christians to engage the culture and not shrink away. Patriot Academy holds events every year for young adults ages 16 to 25, as well as a citizen track and a military veterans track. Their academies are held all across America, and there's a good chance one of them will be near you. Compelled listeners can receive $25 off tuition by using the promo code COMPELLED. Learn more at PatriotAcademy.com. Again, you can learn more at PatriotAcademy.com. I met Jonathan at his home in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro a few weeks ago, and he began his story by sharing how his disability came about. I was born in El Paso, Texas, and uh, El Paso is a little border town um, right next to Juarez, Mexico. And uh, my beginnings were um, injured at birth. Uh, doctors don't know exactly how I was injured. Um, some think that it was because I was breech, so they think maybe a maneuver to try to get me out um, or to try to adjust my position may have injured my spinal cord. Um, I have a spinal cord injury between C1 and C2, basically like the connecting vertebrae from your brain uh, to your spine. So it's literally like the worst injury that could ever happen to somebody. Um, doctors say that uh, I'm supposed to be a vegetable, you know, on a, on a bed. Um, some say it's a miracle that I'm breathing. You know, nobody ever could have ever imagined, you know, what, what would transpire. Um, but it was literally, um, some have referred to as the worst injury that could ever happen, short of being decapitated. My legs are almost permanently bent at a 90 degree angle because of the spasticity in the legs, atrophy. I have maybe probably 30% use of my hands. 
Um, and as I get older, these numbers will change, probably not for the better. So, you know, the angles maybe increase and um, I'm getting a slight scoliosis on my back, which is a curvature of the spine. So I just sit wrong. And when I sit wrong, it's comfortable and that's not good mm. because you'll just get worse and worse and worse. So, mm. um, but yeah, that's, that's about where I am physically. Um, yeah, just full, full disclosure. Like, um, I can't do anything by myself. Really? The only thing is I could do or, um, read, get in and out of bed, brush my teeth. Hmm. So yeah, pretty, pretty extreme, you know, and, and my parents were, uh, pastors at the time and, um, they were excited. They were, you know, really hopeful and, you know, just for a second son. And when they found out that I was, uh, you know, injured and not doing so well, they, it was hard on them. Yeah. But, um, basically doctors came in there with, uh, with some x-ray results and they said, Hey, we got some horrible news. Um, Jonathan's not going to make it. They said, look at all these spots in his lungs. You know, he has, you know, probably days to live. So basically, you know, say goodbye to your son. So my mom just lost her dad. You know, she finds out that she's going to lose her son. Um, my dad's just absolutely going bonkers because, you know, in his mind, he was doing God a favor. He was preaching or he was, you know, people were, you know, coming to hear him preach. And, you know, he, he had a pretty reputable, you know, ministry at the time. And, um, as you can imagine, you know, he's like, God turned his back on me or he thought maybe, you know, God was, uh, not real after all. Um, and the beauty of it is, um, Lord really held my mom. Um, and he kept her through that. And, you know, my dad said all that he wanted to say against God and said he would never serve him and would mock mom the days that she would go home, you know, from the hospital and, you know, say like, you know, look, you know, where's your God now? And this, that, and the other. The doctors were wrong. Jonathan didn't die. He survived. But he was severely disabled and would remain so for his entire life. He was given a motorized power chair when he was two years old. And while this gave him a lot more mobility, as you can imagine, everything else about growing up was just different. When he turned seven, his family moved to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So I think my parents did the best that they, they thought you know, to try to distract me. So I was given video games um, and a lot of video games. That was kind of my thing. Um, and it was my way of competing against everybody, I guess. I couldn't go play real football, but I can beat you on a football video game. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I would, I would grow up. So, you know, coming to four, five, six, seven years old, um, my mind really wasn't on the whole reality of like, oh, I'm in a wheelchair. You know, things are, things are different. Um, but when I started getting into, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12, and I start, you know, trying to find who am I, you know, my own identity, uh, trying to fit in with school. Um, at that time, you know, being cool was, was a thing and everybody wanted to, to be it. Um, and I started seeing like, man, like I, I can't do what these kids are doing. Uh, I can't be what these kids are. Um, and you know, the Lord in in his kind providence never allowed me to jump into a lot of these things. I'll give you a funny story. Um, back in the day, Jinko jeans were like so cool. Okay. So everybody wore these huge baggy pants. They look like parachutes. Absolutely <laughs> foolish and the silliest thing that probably my generation had did. Nice. Um, but 
these Jinko jeans were the thing. Um, so I can't remember how many times I would hound my parents and they, they swore up and down they'd never give me these jeans. And I'm, I'm grateful that they were so you know adamant of it. But one way or another, I don't know if it was an aunt or somebody bought me these Jinko jeans, okay? Now think about how ridiculous this is. I'm, I'm not even walking, okay? I'm, I'm sitting in a wheelchair and I have these jeans that are like probably four sizes too big. <laughs> I, I don't know, I just, I really wanted to fit in. Well, I'm driving outside one day uh, during recess and I'm thinking like, you know, cool, I've arrived. This is like my, my ticket into the cool club. And because my jeans were so baggy, um, they actually get caught up in the wheelchair and like my pants rip off of me and everybody's looking. And I'm like, oh, oh man, you know? And, and you know, at that time, I didn't think it was too funny. You know, now in hindsight, I'm, I'm so grateful for, you know, little things like that because, you know, the Lord was like restraining me, um, saying like, I have, I have better for you, you know? Um, and I, I, I wanted so bad to be like the world, to act like the world, to participate in the things of the world. Um, you know, so when I say my disability was one of the greatest blessings, it has not allowed me to play the world's game. You yeah. know, it, it really has brought me to be a forceful uh, spectator of it. And just to be able to look and see that there's no profit. You know, there's nothing but death and sorrow and destruction that comes from it. By the time Jonathan entered middle school, his father had come back to the church. A lot of this had to do with the fact that Jonathan's brother, who was older by several years, had gone down a dark path in high school with a lot of drinking and drug usage. And Jonathan's father turned to God for help. His dad began preaching at a church nearby, and naturally, Jonathan began thinking about God as well. So I'm going to church. My dad's the preacher. Um, I'm able to see that a lot of these kids in high school are literally like lining up to be my brother in, hmm. in a couple years, and I don't want that. But at the same token, I can't escape like my own desires. Um, and all the while living in a society where people think that I'm some angel because I'm in a wheelchair. Hmm. So it was really, it was really a hard season for me because I'm like, okay, I, I, I think I want to be a Christian for sure. Cause like, that's what my dad's doing. I love my dad. And like, I'm so grateful now that he's not drinking and he's not angry at us or, you know, hitting us or anything like that. Like my dad never really was like physically abusive, but like, man, it, it was, he was just hard to be around. Um, but when you get to, the fact that like now my dad's, you know, it's, it's better, um, to be around and, you know, he's preaching and he says that we need Jesus. And of course I want Jesus. Um, I ended up saying, okay, like I'm going to start thinking about these things. And, uh, I would go to, um, copycat mode and I started having Bible studies, um, for people at my high school. And when you say copycat mode, like you were trying to copy co my dad, yeah, copy just to re dad. replicate my dad, uh, yeah. And in some ways, you know, I think every son wants to, you know, please his dad and show him, like, hey, dad, look what I'm doing, and like, I just want to hear you're proud of me. And you know, all of a sudden, you have a guy in a wheelchair that's able to, you know, draw a crowd. So a church asked me to be their youth pastor. Uh, I was 17 years old uh, and the youth pastor, <laughs> and. Was but that weird or super weird and super not good and not recommended and unbiblical in every way. But yeah, it was weird. It was weird because I had like youth that were older than me. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like here telling them something. Um, so basically then my dad, you know, brings me to be the youth pastor at his church and I'm like 17 ish that opened to something like, you know, John three sixteen for God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
And I'd say, you guys just got to believe, you know, and if the enemy comes at you and you just don't believe, you're just going to say, no, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to believe and, you know, I may not be able to see it, but one day, you know, God will honor my belief and I'll go to heaven. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of have truths in a lot of these sermons, mm. but you see, like, there was no power in it and it was just philosophy. It was just really like flattering words and there was, there was no real gospel proclamation because I didn't know what it was. Mm. Um, so that's, that's usually what I would do that or I'd copycat my dad's sermon, you know, going back to the copycat thing. Yeah. I'd kind of digest it and say, what can a teenager get out of this? And at that point, um, I had my, my group of best friends and, uh, we, there's five of us and we started getting into music. Uh, and it was, it was a big like movement where my generation would find the like loudest and angriest music. And it's like groups would compete as to how like vulgar their music was. Um, and, and we seem to always be the winning side. Um, you know, the Lord gave us a relatively, you know, um, talented bunch. So we, we thought, okay, well, if I'm a youth pastor and we like music and we can make music, let's start a band. Um, so I'm in high school and, uh, and I thought, man, this is great because the church ended up saying, hey, we're going to give you $50 a week um, now to be a youth pastor because you're bringing so many people. And I'm like, wow, well, like, if you're going to give me $50 a week, like, I could bring floods more people with this band. So, like, you can see that my heart really wasn't fully, like, saying, like, hey, I want to serve the Lord. Yeah. It was it was just so self-centered and, and so ignorant, really, um, on, on what was right and, and what was biblical. And uh, so, anyways, we're, we're, as soon as we get in the band stage, like, it's, it's a thing because, you know, who, who wouldn't want to see a guy in a wheelchair, you know, drive around in circles and be crazy and uh and, and what was your role in the band so i was a keyboard player i had i had a, a keyboard a synthesizer and i had like these little music machines and i was i was i was definitely the most untalented member of the bunch for sure <laughs> um but you know what i did have uh is is the ability to you know i guess draw people in and and the ability to you know um i guess keep the crowd happy so that's that's what was going on and band practice was like our life. I think, I think we might've practiced more than any band on earth. Probably. Um, we'd get out of school and we'd like be at each other's houses and every weekend we'd spend each other, you know, spend the night at each other's houses and play till like three, four in the morning. And it almost ruined me for life. Cause even still I struggled with being a night owl because of those days. Um, but you know, in my mind I thought, okay, well this is good. You know, this is right because I'm not drinking and doing drugs like my brother, you know, and I'm not out and doing all these horrible things. So the the danger was I started developing a little religion, you know, I started developing like my own framework as to like what's right and what's wrong. Um, none of the time seeking the Lord on saying, hey, Lord, what do you want? What do you think? Yeah. What do you, what do you call me to do? Um, so I'm getting very religious in my own little system and, you know, I'm getting respect from pastors. I'm getting respect from, you know, what seemed like my dad and other people. And, you know, my dad would be able to say that Jonathan's a youth pastor for two different churches and look how young he is. And he looks like he's on fire for the Lord. And, you know, I have a band and, um, everybody knew me as the Christian kid. Um, because you know, how outspoken I became about my faith or what I thought was my faith. Um, 
and you're just like checking off these different boxes. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, and I'm, I'm like, man, like, and you see, and and here's here's the problem, and I'll, and I'll say this once and for all for everyone with a disability. Um, disabled people are not exempt from the fall. We are, we are all sinners, um, and you see, the first stage, people are like, oh, in Spanish, it's the word pobrecito. It means poor little guy. Everybody would say, pobrecito, you know, he's in a wheelchair. So, so people would be like, oh, you're going to go to heaven. Or like, you know, God, God loves you so much. And like, you know, he's going to bless you and this and that and the other. So I ended up having this like almost pampering and like thinking like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven, guaranteed. You know, God loves me, guaranteed. God's going to bless everything I do, guaranteed. And there's almost this sense where like I started believing that God owed me something, you know, because the way everyone made it sound. It's like if they read this book of life that I hadn't read yet. But it said like, hey, if someone's a disabled, like they're, they're just in. And uh, so, you know, then you get to the fact that in high school, right, with that foundation, the bad foundation, I'm now in high school and I'm like actually, quote unquote, meriting something. I, I was, I thought I was in like Flynn. I thought like, man, you know, God's here with me. And the band was like, hey, like, are we going to? we're going to like live the dream. And the dream was signing to a record deal. And uh, basically that was what we're really like, you know, fighting for. The summer after Jonathan graduated high school, his dream of touring with his friends in a rock band and signing a record deal actually seemed within their grasp. Someone donated a professional recording studio that had over a quarter million dollars of music equipment for the band to use exclusively. And a popular secular musician heard their music and said he would help promote them and give them a shot in the industry. To Jonathan and his friends, it looked like God must be opening these doors. But Jonathan couldn't shake an uneasy feeling he had about the band. Even though all of these opportunities seemed to be miraculously falling in their laps, something just didn't feel right. Jonathan couldn't exactly place his finger on why he felt that way, but he partially attributed it to his fear of using public restrooms. He knew that if he went on tour, he'd have to use public restrooms everywhere they went, which was quite an ordeal. So finally, he brought up his unease with his fellow bandmates. As a teenager, I had so many friends whose lives were transformed by attending a Worldview Academy leadership camp. For many of them, it was the highlight of their summer because it was such a spiritually engaging experience. And today, Worldview Academy's mission continues. If you have a student between 13 to 18 and you care about equipping them with biblical truth so that they're prepared to stand firm and engage with the culture, then Worldview Academy is what you're looking for. Worldview Academy's week-long summer intensives cover topics in apologetics, servant leadership, and evangelism, all while building deep friendships with like-minded students. Your student will engage with 25 hours of interactive teaching, addressing questions like, how do I know that the Bible is true? Does God really exist? Who defines what is right or wrong? And what difference does that make in my life? Since 1996, over 42,000 students have called this one of the best weeks of their life. And with 18 summer intensives all across the country, there's certain to be one near you. Learn more and get 10% off your student's camp registration as a Compelled listener by using the promo code COMPELLED at worldview.org. Register for camp today at worldview.org while spots are still available. And remember to get 10% off using the promo code COMPELLED. 
If you like to stay up to date with current events, then you'll especially appreciate another podcast I enjoy called The World and Everything in It. It's a daily news program, about 30 minutes long, delivered every weekday morning by Christian journalists from around the world. And they aren't just rehashing the current headlines. They're actually doing investigative, boots-on-the-ground journalism while providing biblical cultural analysis. I started listening to their show about five years ago when we first launched Compelled. And since then, they've become one of my go-to sources for understanding current events from a biblical perspective. But they pull no punches. In fact, they tell the facts just as they are, even when it requires sharing uncomfortable truths. Maybe that's why they're one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs. Join me and thousands of other Christians from around the world who listen to the world and everything in it. Just search for The World and Everything in It in your podcast app or visit WNG.org. It sounded ridiculous, my friends. They're like, dude, are you crazy? Like, you're going to let that little thing, like, we'll help you. I'm like, how are you going to help me? You know, like, you guys are just, you guys are using me at this point. So, yeah. anywho, at, at, I, I started realizing, man, like, everybody's in it for their own interest. So, like, what do I want? And when I asked that, I didn't have an answer. You know, I, I thought that it was the band. I thought it was the concerts. I thought it was the respect of, you know, parents. I thought it was the respect of the pastors and this and that and the other. And, you know, I was, I was about to um, enroll into Southwestern Seminary, you know, to be a professional preacher. And uh, I just, I, I couldn't answer what do I want? And I said, you know what, guys? Like, I gotta go pray about it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, go pray about it. I said, okay, okay, let me go pray about it. So uh, I go to the bathroom and I have my phone with me. And um, I was like, man, I was like, God, like, I really wanna do this. Will you just please help me to get rid of my fear for germs? Because I thought that, that was it. I thought that, you know, maybe that was why this wasn't seeming so great. Um, and I even said, you know, thank you for this huge blessing of like this house and the recording studio and the band and, you know, the opportunity of being famous. And um, I said, yeah, please just give me peace about it. And any little desire that I had was immediately squashed. I was like, well, weird. Like you're not answering my prayers. Like the more I'm praying, the more I'm like not wanting these things. I'm like, okay. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I literally stopped praying. I get my phone out. I go to YouTube and I type in inspirational youth message. Okay. The video that I landed on was a shocking youth message by Paul Washer. He was preaching at a conference for some youth. And he was basically preaching the true gospel. And it was the first time I ever heard it in my whole life. What really cut to my heart, he was speaking particularly to youth pastors and he was saying, you want the spirit of God to move, yet you go home and do the very things that God hates. And he says, you know, you, you pray for revival, but you know, you love the things that the world loves. And he says that particularly that salvation, right, is by faith alone in Jesus and it's preceded by repentance and it's followed by growing in holiness and a love for the things that God loves and a hate for the things that God hates and a turning away of sin 
and a desire not to be like the world or to be like Britney Spears, but to be like Jesus Christ. And as you can imagine, that summarized my life. Maybe I didn't want to be like Britney Spears, but I so bad wanted to be like these other guys in the bands. And I would, I was a hypocritical youth pastor that would go and do all these things, um, quote unquote, in the name of Jesus, and then go home and just be an absolute wretch. All of a sudden, all of a sudden when I'm hearing these words, it's like if I got a heart transplant. It's like if the veil was lifted from my eyes. It was like if all of a sudden I had an understanding as to every single thing that I had ever read in the scriptures. It was like before I was reading the Bible blind, but now I can see everything. And now these things that I would read made sense and everything was connected. And all of a sudden I, I feel so like filled with with shame and and sorrow for the way that I lived and acted. And it was it was just an unexplainable event in my life. It was it was just the Holy Spirit convicting me of everything and bringing me the reality of these truths that I was reading and I remember I just got on my knees in the bathroom with the risk of falling with the risk of you know having a call for help which bypassed everything that I'd ever do as well um, I just got on my knees and I remember I just cried to the Lord and said Lord I'm sorry and I said Lord you are holy God I know it and you really have in Christ forgiven me of my sins and, and I just thanked him for it and at once I was repenting of my sins desiring to turn away realizing everything that I had done was really wrong and, and you know heretical and, and blasphemous at best using the name of Jesus for my own selfish gain um, all of a sudden I start thinking about all of those things that even until that very day had just secretly enslaved me and secretly had mastery over my life things like lust and things that I would do and things that I would watch and things that I would think about and things that I would hope for and this and that all of a sudden I was like no I won't I won't do that again um and I can't tell you how many times before that I would say I'm not going to do this again only to find myself maybe hours or days later doing the same thing but this time this time there was strength in my bones this time there was life in me this time there was hope and this time it wasn't this blind endeavor i wasn't just turning away from sin i was turning to christ mm. and i saw that he was glorious and he was wonderful and he was worthy to be praised and he was absolutely faithful to every word he had ever spoken and i hungered for him and I, and I wanted him and he all of a sudden was greater than anything that I could have ever gained and that answered the question to myself what do I want what what happened like when you like tell me the, the exact moment you left the bathroom yeah so it took a little while because I had to get back into my wheelchair and uh, I was in tears and I, I just I mean I, I don't know how long exactly I was just praying but I was just thanking the Lord and was worshiping him and as soon as I stepped out that door, or I literally never stepped out of any door, but as soon as I drove out of that door, um, everything changed um, because I had to tell my friends I'm done. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't want to be in the band. I, I don't want to do music anymore like this. Like this isn't Christian. Like God, God changed my heart, and 
He's seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm going to go and I'm going to study the scriptures. I'm going to see what they say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to obey the Lord and honor him. And they thought I was crazy. <laughs> They're like, what? What are you talking about? I thought you were a youth pastor. You know, like you just went to pray. Like, who, did, who, who are you praying to? You know, this is crazy. One of my friends was like, did you fall? I was like, no, I didn't fall. And uh, so they just, just, just stop. Just everybody stop. Sit down right there. And I'm going to let you listen to this video. So we watched the video. And, and when I see that my friends aren't transformed in that way, it immediately brought me the desire to pray for them. Hmm. You know, the Lord's shown me like, it's not because of Paul Washer. It's not because of this video. It's me. It's my grace. Um, and yeah, that there began um, my journey to, to know the Lord, to please the Lord, to make him known, to glorify him, um, and to use everything that he would bring in my life yeah. to testify of his faithfulness. Jonathan was a new creation, and he couldn't wait to share his genuine faith with everyone that he knew. The Lord gave me opportunities to literally turn to almost everybody in my high school, everybody that I knew before, and tell them everything I said to you is almost entirely wrong. Hmm. And they're like, what? And I said, and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for all these times I've cheated you. I've, I had to tell people, I'm sorry for that video game I stole from you. And they're like, that was in the fourth grade. <laughs> I was like, I know, but it was wrong. It was a sin. And they're like, what in the world? So people started thinking I was crazy. Th those really sweet years. Uh, getting to know my dad like as a, as a friend because um, after leaving the band life and after leaving my friend's house, you know, I lived with them. And it took them as a huge shock whenever I come at them and I'm like, hey, I, I, I just quit the band. I'm not really hanging out with anybody anymore. I'm, I'm you know, um, not a youth pastor at, at that church anymore. I don't even know if I feel right about being a youth pastor at your church. Um, there's big changes. Um, at that point, they're like, well, yeah, you know, praise God. It seemed like this generic, like maybe God's just working your heart. This is great, whatever. As Jonathan began digging deeper into the Bible for himself, instead of just for appearances, he realized that he was developing new beliefs about God that contradicted what his father was preaching on Sunday mornings. But then when it started getting into like the scriptures, that's where we started getting the dividing line. Hmm. Um, and I said, hey, dad, can I read you something real quick? He said, yeah. So I start reading him all these different verses that talk about like literally God's like sovereignty at work in the believer's life. And he was not down for that at all. Hmm. He was like, no, 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 God, you got me there. That's how I know that you're wrong. God's not sovereign. I was like, what do you mean? How is he not sovereign? He said, by you saying that he's sovereign, you're saying that God had control over you and your disability. He's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, true. He said, there's no way. Like, I don't serve a God like that. That's not the God I serve. And I'll never serve a God like that. Hmm. I said, whoa. And I thought, like, how can someone base faith on a God who isn't in control of things, you know? And I thought, this is wild. So me being young, overzealous, and not being a member of a church that I can have, you know, discipleship from some faithful brethren, it starts becoming this really horrible, tense battle, mm. like very ugly. And, and as I'm looking at my friends, and they're making fun of me, and I'm looking at my dad, and he thinks I'm crazy. 
I started like saying, you know what? Like everybody's wrong. My own little sin <laughs> all of a sudden starts popping up, right? Because if we take our eyes off of Christ and we're not constantly reminded of our own sin, of our own inadequacy, um, we could start getting pretty prideful. You know, the temptation could be there to be angry at people. Jonathan and his father had some pretty sharp disagreements about the character of God, and things were pretty tense between the two of them. The next few years were confusing for Jonathan. On one hand, he wanted to share his faith with others, but on the other hand, his zeal for what he believed was the only correct viewpoints about God sometimes blinded him to his own detriment. A couple of years later, Jonathan was attending classes at a community college when his old friend Justin came up to him during lunch. Justin was one of his former bandmates who had been crushed when Jonathan quit the band, and they hadn't really spoken at all since that day. And Jonathan was surprised that Justin reached out. But he was even more surprised when Justin said that he wanted to introduce Jonathan to the girl standing next to him. Summer is here, and so is the chance to take a breather from school. And there's a decent chance that the subject your student is most excited to take a break from is math. But it doesn't have to be that way, especially if you're using CTC Math. Their focus is helping your student learn at the pace that's best for them. Every lesson is fully online with interactive questions and clear explanations. And their video tutorials take difficult concepts and break them down into digestible ideas. But here's the crazy part. They have a 12-month money-back guarantee. That's right, you can use CTC Math for an entire year. And if you don't like it, or it didn't work out for you, or if you're just unethical, which as a compelled listener, I hope you're not, then you just shoot them an email and tell them that you'd like your money back, and they'll gladly refund your entire purchase, no questions asked. There is literally no risk for an entire year. You can't beat that. Because their heart is to serve your family. That's why they sponsor Compel, so that we can continue creating stories that will bless and encourage your family. And they want to do the same for your students' math needs. So whether summer is a time for your student to catch up, keep up, or move ahead, CTC Math is there. Learn more at ctcmath.com. Again, that's ctcmath.com. You love Christian testimonies. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to Compelled. But imagine if you could enjoy Compelled stories from Christians throughout the ages, including those who've already passed away. Well, that's what our friends at YWAM Publishing are doing through their Christian Heroes book series by retelling the incredible stories of Christians like George Mueller, a man of prayer who ran an orphanage for 10,000 children in England who trusted God to miraculously provide food and shelter for those orphans, sometimes on a daily basis. Or Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered by the Aka tribe in Ecuador but chose to forgive and move in with the tribe to share the gospel with them. Or Brother Andrew, who during the height of the Cold War smuggled Bibles to Christians behind the Iron Curtain, all under the noses of communist border guards who could have imprisoned him for life or worse. These are the types of stories that YWAM Publishing is printing, and their books are written for kids ages 10 and above, but frankly, adults love them too. They've published 50 of these biographies so far, and we just partnered with YWAM Publishing to bring you five of my favorite stories. These are the Christians that have inspired my faith and millions of others for decades, which include the three testimonies I just mentioned, as well as Corey Ten Boom and Amy Carmichael. 
We're calling it the Compelled Christian Heroes Bundle. And I actually worked with YWAM to select these five specific stories, and they agreed to drop the price in half just for compelled listeners. So it's $30 and includes free U.S. shipping. To buy this bundle for yourself or to give to a friend, visit compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. That's the letters Y-W-A-M, compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. And trust me, if you love listening to stories on Compelled, you're going to love reading these stories too. He walks up to me at the table and he says, oh, hey, John, I want to introduce you to, to my friend. And I like look up for a second and I looked down. I was I was really upset because in my mind, I thought he was like, you know, bribing me with peace, like with a girl, which I thought was super wrong. And so I didn't give his friend the time of day. I, I just kind of looked down and that was it. I was kind of rude. I ate my Whataburger and he's like, oh, okay, we'll see you around, man. So he left. And as soon as he leaves and she and him turn around the corner, all of a sudden I was like, I was just filled with such conviction and sadness over how I acted. Mm. And I thought, what a fool. Like, I was so prideful of me to like take things personally. Like, what if this was God's providence bringing me this girl to share the gospel with her? You know, like, who am I to like, Oh, so I was so like, I felt like such a fool and felt so tiny. I remember I prayed the night, oh Lord, would you please bring that girl back so that I can talk to her, tell her who you are. Lord, please have mercy on her, please save her. And all of a sudden, next day I think about her again and praying and I'm like, yeah, Lord, please like help me to figure out how to you know get in touch with her and praying for her salvation. And then the next day doing the same and I found, like, after a week, I'm like, man, I'm thinking about this girl a lot, like, way too much. I don't even know what she looks like, so I can't say it's, like, my flesh that likes her. <laughs> um, I just, there's just this thing, and I, I don't know what that thing is, but it's 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 there, and it's real. And it's, like, the Lord, like, sometimes I would be praying, and, like, she would come to mind. Part of me was also in my heart, um, so past the thought of ever being married, really because of fear, you know, Um and I, and I like to call this chapter like the the deliverance of fears because they ran my life even though I didn't know it. Mm. Um, and then I started like thinking about the doctors and doctors would say like, no, man, like you'll never have children. Um, yeah, nobody explained to me medically why I wouldn't have children. They just said I wouldn't. Um, and, you know, just facing these fears in high school, middle school, elementary, mm. growing up, I would cry to all of my brother's girlfriends and I'd say like, I'm going to be alone my whole life, you know? And it was like, not every day. It'd be maybe once a year when this would happen. But sometimes I would just be gripped with this like reality, like, oh man, like a girl might never want a guy in a wheelchair, you know? So all of a sudden, you know, like this girl's becoming a thing. And I, I had not thought about like liking girl, having a relationship with a girl in a while. So this is like super awkward. And yeah, weird and like super. And I'm starting to feel really insecure here because I'm like, what's going on? Like, is this even sane? Like, I am not even feeling sane right now because how can I like or have feelings for a girl I don't even know, let alone I didn't see more than two seconds. Like, and I'm thinking like, Lord, this is sinful, Lord. Like, I want to mortify this sin in me, Lord. This is evil. How do I even get her out of my head? 
Finally, after several months went by, Jonathan worked up the courage to call up his old bandmate, Justin. They were able to connect and restore their friendship, and Jonathan casually asked about who the girl was. He learned that her name was Elena, and she worked at Best Buy. But Jonathan was too shy and embarrassed to admit to Justin that he was looking for her. So he called up his roommate and asked for a favor. I ended up calling Travis and said, hey man, can you do me a huge favor? Can you take me to Best Buy? He's like, uh, yeah, why? And I, was, I wasn't really a hermit back then, but I, I didn't really get, go and shopping or anything like that, let alone Best Buy. So uh, I was like, I just, I got to buy a remote control for the TV. And he's like, you don't watch TV. I was like, <laughs> well, it's, it's because, you know, it's going to help me when I'm like recording. And he's like, okay, sure. <laughs> so he takes me to Best Buy and I buy this remote and it costs like $40. And she wasn't there. She was there. She was no. She was not there. That she day. was not she there. Was not there. Did you know what she looked like? Like have you seen? I, her? I had I had an idea. I, you know, I was so extreme that I knew the Lord would like be like, okay, that's the one. Like I, okay. it was just and and again, this is sound like really crazy. And I'm telling you, I felt as crazy as it sounded. Um, but then I started thinking, okay, the reason the Lord's bringing it is because maybe He's going to work in our life. Um, I was so insecure. I didn't want to admit that maybe just maybe there's a possibility I had feelings or. Because I had wrote that part of my life off already, you know, fear. Um, finally, after spending a small fortune that I didn't have, going to Best Buy repeatedly over and over, my friend caught on to what was going on. And he said, there's a girl, isn't there? I said, no, there's not a girl. He goes, you like a girl. I was like, no, stop. I don't like a girl. What are you talking about? He goes, yeah, I think you do. He's like, it's really cool. Just tell me what her name is. I was like, that's a thing. I don't know her name. He goes, you like a girl that you don't know her name? said, yeah, he goes, I knew you were weird, but this is like a whole new level of weird. <laughs> He's like, so wh what exactly do you like about this girl with no name? I was like, well, you see, it's not that I really like her. I don't even know if I like her because I don't know her. Basically, I just feel like God wants me to talk to her. And he's like, you're going to blame it on the Lord? I was like, I'm not blaming anything on the Lord. I just am telling you how I feel. He's like, yeah, sure. Okay. So he's like, well, I'll take you to Best Buy as often as you want. Just kind of joking. He's like, let's go, man. I was like, okay. So we got in the van and uh, I'm joking with him. I was like, hey, at least I don't have to buy anything anymore, right? He started laughing. He goes, yeah, no. He's like, unless you're going to start impressing her. And I was like, no. So we get to Best Buy and little did I know, he was such a good friend that he called like everybody I knew. And this was like a little reunion to like laugh at John of his feelings for some girl. And when I get there, my friend Ryan was there. He's like, hey, who's this girl? I'm like, oh, dude, why are you here? And then I see Justin and I see everybody. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, and I'm like red as a tomato probably. They're like, all at Best Buy yeah, at the They're all at Best Buy, yeah. And they're like, come on, man, let's go see. And you've been to Best Buy multiple times at this point. I've never seen her? Yeah. So how did you know she was still even there? Because um, there was one section that I didn't check out. It was Best Buy Mobile. Okay. And for some reason, this Best Buy was like inundated with employees. And like I would see new people all the time. And I think that's what really gave me hope um, on top of not remembering Best Buy Mobile. And I think, yeah, it was, it was actually providence of the Lord because I was in need of an actual phone case. Um, sure enough, I go and I'm like looking at iPhone cases and like I, I had the goal of getting like a cheap case. And I look and she's there. And like I was like, oh, I was like, wow, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I was like, yeah, you work in mysterious ways. And, you know, I don't, 
I don't really need a case. I just got to talk to her. So I, I was like, yeah, but she's going to think I'm crazy if I just came here to talk to her. It's been like nine months. So I was like, let me buy a case. So, of course, here's folly and pride trying to impress the girl. I go in and grab the most expensive case. <laughs> and it was like the Otterbox, you know, bulletproof, bombproof, like everything in life proof, but it'll cost your arm and leg. And so I get it. I was like, yeah, okay. So, so I was like, I was like, Hey, and she looks at me and she's like, hi. I was like, do you remember me? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> she does. I was like, hey, well, I'm, I just, man, I've been really convicted as of late of how I treated you. Like, I'm sorry. I'm really not a jerk like that. Um, and she's like, yeah, like, don't even worry about it. I mean, I didn't think twice about it. I'm like, you didn't think twice about it. I was like, why have I been tormented for nine months about it? You know, like, and I was like, well, hey, um, yeah. Like, what do you like doing? And then I look and like to my absolute, like all my nightmares came true as all my friends like start walking around. I see some on my left, I see some on my right. And they're like giving me this face like this. I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, Lord, I, I forgot they were there. I was so like focused on, on talking to her and the mission at hand. And then all of a sudden these like ghouls come and like, stand right by me and she's like oh i like painting yeah for sure actually i'm about to go to baylor university i just got accepted uh, i'm gonna finish up my painting degree there and like again i really wanted to cry when she said that and i'm like i'm losing it <laughs> and i'm like what's going on and my friend's like oh baylor john isn't that a christian school and he's like yeah i was like are you a christian she goes yeah i was like oh because in my mind I knew like wait a second if she's a Christian like why is the Lord pressing me to talk to her so much I was like well so you're painting she goes yeah and a professor um, had told me long ago that like evidently I mean it's probably not true in hindsight thinking because he's not a painter himself but he said that painting oceans was like really hard like it takes forever to paint like big things of oceans maybe a waves I don't really know so I said hey can I commission you a piece for a recording studio before you go She's like, yeah, sure, absolutely. It'd be great for me because, you know, it helped me pay for school. I said, totally. I said, I want it like as big as humanly possible. She's like, what do you want a painting of? I was like, I want a big ocean. She's like, <laughs> and I was like, please buy me dime. She's like, just an ocean? I was like, yeah. She's like, you want waves? You want a boat? You want some birds? I'm like, yeah, like I, I want, I want just, I mean, I want so much detail. Like I want the boat and the, and now in hindsight I'm like why didn't she ever even give me the time of day and I commissioned this piece not knowing how much it would cost me not even knowing what I was going to get but just really hoping that it would just give me some more time with her um, and in typical Jonathan fashion I would talk so much that you know Best Buy was closing and she's like still talking to me and she's like having to pull out the vacuum because she's wow. having to clean up at Best Buy and she's like vacuuming and my friend's like, dude, go home. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, anyways. I was like, well, see you around. She's like, yeah, for sure. I was like, oh, hey, can you, can you ring me up for this? And she's like, you really want this? I'm like, yeah, she goes, okay. And I'm like biting my lips. I, <laughs> I, I think I had an overdraft fee because of that case because uh, I, I didn't have any money. And um, I'm like, Lord, this is not good. I didn't even really get to share the gospel with her. Like, I have no idea who she is. I just shot myself in the foot by like probably getting in debt a thousand dollars for this piece that I don't even want of art. 
Um, like, man. And as I'm as we're coming out, my friend Travis is like loading me up in the van and uh he's like, You really like her? She seems sweet. And I was like, Stop. So he gets in the van, I was like, you know what? I prayed. I said, Lord, can you give me a wife just like that? And he turned around and he goes, Did you just pray for a wife? I was like, I guess. He's like, dude, I've never even heard you ask for a girlfriend, let alone a wife. I was like, yeah. He goes, wow, maybe you are growing up. He's like, yeah. And then uh, he's like, man, you're, you're probably going to get married soon. I was like, why? He's like, because God's really answered your prayers up until now. I was like, <gasps> and when he said that, like, I thought I was going to die. Because I'm like, what did I just ask for? Like, I can't have a wife. Like, this is not possible. And then the fear started coming out, you know, and all my insecurities. So instead of, you know, really listening to, to my, you know, my mind, um, I just trusted the scriptures and I started finding the value of them, sort of finding how beautiful these promises are um, and walking by faith and not by sight um, and seeing that God is faithful to what he says. Mm. So we started pressing in, my my friends started pressing in to the Lord. We started having Bible studies together. It seemed like everything was really good. Um, and I kept going to Best Buy. And uh, I, I, I geared up the bravery again to go visit her. We talked some more, and then we talked some more. And uh, finally, I added her on Facebook and uh, I sent her this big message. I think I said something along the lines, like, if you ever um, have a flat tire or, you know, you get attacked by a bear or whatever circumstance you find your, yourself in, you know, feel free to give me a call. Like, I, I'd you know, love to be there and whatever the Lord sends your way. And I hope that you can really count me as a friend. So I gave her my number and that was really vulnerable for me. Well, lo and behold, when she doesn't text me or anything, I'm like, burned. Like, this yeah. is horrible. So I'm like, oh. The cold shoulder, dude. Exactly, yeah. So I'm like, this is the worst. Why did I do that? What a dork. I was too I was too much, this and that. Well, later we find out that she did actually text, but she saved the wrong number. And then I guess when she didn't get a response, she was upset thinking the same thing. Like, who's this guy? He's in a wheelchair. Like, what a jerk. Why would he not respond to me? So then... Um, she went to Facebook and realized, oh, she saved my number wrong. So I'm in my speech class at Tarrant County. Um, and I get a text said, Hey, this is Elena. And I was like, oh, and I literally did that in the middle of speech class. Like, oh, and I looked and my friend Ryan was in the class with me and I was like, she texted me. So I'm like, hi, how are you? We started texting. And after that, like, um, led to phone calls. And phone calls led to sermon dates. We really never even talked about like, oh, hey, I like you. Or, hey, you know, you do you like me? Um, literally, when we started like hanging out and talking, it was like, it was mostly about the Lord. And and I'd be like, hey, have you, have you read this in the scriptures? Like, you know, what are your views on this? And, you know, she's like, man, I never even saw that before. So... We would go through the scriptures and she was like as hungry as I was. And we would like be able to like devour entire books of the scripture and we would listen to sermons and that was like our sermon date time. That led into like just a real deep love for her um, because like all of a sudden, you know, she comes in and says one day like the Lord really saved her and that she really 
didn't know the Lord before, but now she does. Through through y'all's relationship, yeah. through y'all's friendship. Right. And she was saying, like, thank you for sharing the gospel with me. Like, no one ever did like that. And I was like, wow, what a blessing. So I was like, thank you, Lord. So I was like, man, and in my mind, like, we're going to be best friends forever, you know, because, like, she's so important in my life. Like, obviously, I secretly loved her and really cared for her and would have loved nothing more than to be with her. But again, those fears, like, were still kind of there, you know, lingering. One day I was I was talking to her and uh, I was like, can you pray for me? The Lord's really dealing with a lot in my heart. She said, yeah, for sure. I said, you know, um, doctor said I'd never have kids. And, you know, I'm thinking like, this is it. This is like, this is like the official, like, you know, fence that's going to be built forever to like limit our relationship zone. to friend zone. Exactly. And um, so she's like, oh, wow. Why? said i don't know she's like you don't know why they said that i was like no she's like nobody bothered explaining to you i was like no she's like and you of all people would believe them i was like what do you mean she's like we just just got done studying about abraham and sarah and like they had no ability to bring this about like neither do you that's totally okay that's how god works She's like, and plus, what man in reality has the power to make a baby? Hmm. I was like, well, who is this woman? And uh, yeah, basically, one thing led to another. Um, I ended up, you know, asking for her hand in marriage to her dad. And, and how long had y'all known each other? Seven, seven months. Jonathan's life experience has been very different than most of ours. His severe disability has prevented him from doing some of the most normal things that any of us do, including walking, dressing ourselves, or even opening a door. But from a spiritual standpoint, all of us bear a striking resemblance to Jonathan. Like Jonathan's time as a youth pastor or in his band, we can all too often pay lip service to God, but privately be wrapped up in our own selfish desires and just be pursuing our own glory. But thankfully, just like in Jonathan's life, God is willing and ready to work in all of our lives and to draw us to Him. Next week, we'll come back with part two of Jonathan's story, which includes the conclusion of his love story with Elena, but also a hard journey ahead as Jonathan is diagnosed with leukemia. In the meantime, you can learn more about Jonathan by visiting compelledpodcast.com. We'll include some family photos, some helpful links, and the video of Paul Washer that Jonathan mentioned, which led him to Christ. Like I mentioned at the beginning of today's show, we only have two more episodes left in our entire season, and they are pretty powerful, so please stay tuned ahead. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Compelled Podcast and on Twitter at Compelled Show. Also, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. It's one of the best ways to help other people find our show. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing with our podcast, here are a couple of ways that you can help out. The first way you can support Compelled is by sharing this episode with your friends. If you know someone who would be encouraged by Jonathan's story, then send this episode to them and consider sharing it on social media. It really does make a difference and it helps spread the word about the show. The second way is to join Compelled as a monthly member starting at $10 a month. All of our monthly members receive access to different perks, including behind the scenes recordings from our interviews. When I sit down and interview guests, the actual recording is normally around two hours long, and there are all kinds of stories and insights that we end up cutting out of the final episode because of time constraints. So if you really enjoyed listening to a guest like Jonathan today, then you can dive deeper and listen to all of our behind-the-scenes content when you become a monthly member. 
And for a limited time, monthly members receive a free movie from Christian Cinema, another one of our sponsors. Since 1999, Christian Cinema has provided entertainment that inspires families. Christian Cinema has no monthly fees, and they have the largest selection of Christian and family-friendly movies. You can watch a movie today at ChristianCinema.com and get a free movie by becoming a compelled monthly member at any level. But of course, the biggest benefit of being a monthly member is you're allowing Compelled to continue sharing these important stories. You can become a monthly member today by visiting compelledpodcast.com and clicking the link at the top that says become a member. This episode was edited by Zach Fowler. Find him online at zachfowlerimagery.com. Our logo was designed by Josiah Jost. View his work at siadesign.com. Our website was created by Ben Billups. Follow Ben on Instagram at ben.billups. Our media assistant is Frank Allegrea. Find him on Twitter at the Frank Allegrea. Our music outro is by Ben Jackson and Brian Facchino, and our assistant producer is none other than my wonderful wife, Sarah Hastings. Stay tuned for a sneak peek from next week's episode, which is part two of Jonathan's story. You'll hear the conclusion of Jonathan and Elena's relationship and how Jonathan's faith was stretched to the limits after he was diagnosed with leukemia and told he only had months to live. I'm your host, Paul Hastings, and we'll be back with another compelling story next Tuesday. As soon as I got that cut, I just felt like my body was saying with every fiber of my being red alert, something is horribly wrong. And in that moment, it was the Lord showing me that I was not suffering as a sinner. I was suffering as a saint. It was for my good and for his glory. And there was this strange dialogue almost of my own conscience and the Lord working in me that like was louder than the bleeding and was louder than the peril and was louder than the knife. One last thing before I go. If you'd like to meet up this year in 2024, I will actually be on the road for a few events, either speaking or exhibiting at some conferences. I am still nailing down all the details, but already I know that I'll be at the Texas Homeschool Convention in Fort Worth from April 18th through 20th. The other Texas Homeschool Convention in Houston from May 30th through June 1st. The Home Educators Association of Virginia Convention in Richmond from June 6th through 8th. And there's also the chance that I might be at some other events in Louisville, Kentucky and Nashville, Tennessee later in the year, but we haven't finalized those details yet. If you live near any of those locations, then I'd love to meet you. You can also see our latest up-to-date calendar of events at our website, compelledpodcast.com events. And I hope to see you there.